Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include stock prices of publicly traded mortgage companies, my interview with Mike Vogue on how MSR valuation strategy is critical to the accuracy of the hedge model, and what the FOMC minute said about the Fed's plans for its balance sheet. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Optimal Blue. Optimal Blue, a division of Black Knight, delivers technology and analytics solutions that help mortgage lenders and investors more accurately price, lock, hedge, and trade loans to increase profitability, mitigate risk, and grow their business. At the 2022 Colorado Mortgage Lenders Association Mortgage Expo going on right now, A portion of the chatter in the hallways revolves around the stock prices of those companies that have gone public in the last few years. Whether it is Guild, UWM, Rocket, Finance of America, or Loan Depot, some with distributed retail models, they are all near their all-time lows. Hopefully no employees put all their retirement eggs in the one basket of their employer. Part of this, of course, is due to mortgage rates, which are usually based on a spread to treasury securities. And how about that flat yield? From maturities of two years out to 30 years, yields range from 2.48% to a high of 2.68%. That's as flat as Colorado's neighbor, Kansas. (laughs) So this week is all about the lender's ascent, five strategies to elevate your secondary marketing operation. Today, capital markets executives must balance competitiveness with profitability amidst escalating challenges. In this five-part series, the team from Black Knight's Optimal Blue will review strategies for achieving greater outcomes by leveraging all aspects of a secondary marketing platform. I want to welcome on the lead presenter for this week, Mark Tedderis, Vice President and Solutions Specialist for Optimal Blue, a division of Black Knight. And this marks the fourth out of our five days of strategies to elevate your secondary marketing operation. And so, Mark, I'm actually going to give you the first word. Great. Thanks, Robbie. And uh, good morning, everybody. You know, in yesterday's broadcast, uh, we uh, we talked about hedging and trading with Steve, who pointed out the important role of the internal MSR valuation and how that plays into the ultimate accuracy of the hedge model. Today, we're going to explore this uh, related to the servicing asset as Robbie interviews MSR expert Mike Vogue, Managing Director at Optimal Blue. Robbie, take it away. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, Robbie. Thanks for uh, having me on today. This is uh, an interesting topic that I think a lot of people think is uh, very complex, but once you start to kind of put it into your daily practices, you know, it doesn't really, I think the complexity starts to wane a little bit, but it's one of those things that people hear MSRs and and their eyes kind of glaze over. So I'm here to kind of help illuminate some of that today. And I think it's a very poignant topic as in any rising rate environment, the value of the MSR increases. And so it can act as a natural hedge against a drop in production. Uh, So I want to start by saying mortgage servicing rights or MSRs, which are the collection of payments and making disbursements, they're created every time a loan is made. So I'd ask you, why is understanding the current monetary value of the MSR so critical to everything from properly pricing a loan to managing the balance sheet? Uh, great question. And, and before I get into um, the specifics there on kind of like the operational operation side, you know, there was a, a recent article that came out and I'll have to get the NBA props on their, their, you know, their profitability, their quarterly profitability report that comes out. 
And, you know, margins today are as low as they've been, in, uh, I think, since end of 2019. And there is a stat in that report that really screamed to me. Uh, and, and it said that 58% of the, you know, the lenders that they surveyed uh, would have been prof- were profitable uh, because they had an offset in MSR hedging. That effectively means that 40% of the industry would not have been profitable at all last month uh, if it wasn't for the, you know, the swing in value or the increase in value of their MSR portfolio. So it, it just illustrates the point that you made earlier about it being a natural hedge to the production business. And as we kind of get into this bit, this period in the cycle now where you know we're seeing rate and term refinances drop off a cliff, focusing more on purchases and equity, equity-based refis right now. Um, you know, having a firm grasp on what's going on in, on your servicing portfolio and being able to, to, to figure out what loans you want to service, right? I think all of us kind of have some some scars from, you know, the beginning of the forbearance period during the COVID time where everyone was trying to figure out, hey, what kind of advances am I going to be on the hook for? Uh, how much how much cash do I need to hand on to, to actually uh, service this asset? And all this go- goes back to being able to granularly value the servicing not at the point of retain and release or even when you're when you have a portfolio but at the origination of the loan so being able to say hey you know i'm not just saying it's a it's a four molt or a five molt but you know i, I want to run a very complex model that looks at all the borrowers specific traits here right there's different impacts based on where that borrower is located the amount of the loan the loan to value ratio the dti those are all things that drive the servicing valuation and so being able to, to include that in that front end pricing that that you know LOs are able to call during their origination process is super important. And then it kind of flows throughout the rest of the life of the loan, right? You need to be able to, from a from a mark-to-market perspective, be able to call an individual you know, MSR valuation for a, a particular loan, right? Like at this point, using grids is kind of, you know, it's kind of something that I, I would consider is more like a 2010 or 20, maybe even 2020 thing where we're looking more for dynamic pricing that's specific to each loan. And so then having that in your pipeline helps you get a better mark-to-market helps you fine tune your hedge model as well because there's a servicing offset, right? You talked about that natural hedge earlier. You know, when servicing rights go up, typically the value on the loans in your pipeline go down, right? So there's an offset there that, that hedgers need to be aware of. And if that valuation isn't accurate, then that offset's not going to be accurate, right? And typically then when we get to the loan sale part of the process, you know, loan sales typically come down to a basis point or two. Right. The common example I usually tell people is there's one or two basis points of difference just in different remittance types. Right. If you're selling to the Fannie Cash window, you could be selling actual actual uh, remittance type, which which means hey, when the borrower remits their payment, it goes directly to the to the investor. There might be a day of lag in between, as opposed to scheduled actual or scheduled schedule, which means the principal and interest don't get remitted back to the borrower until a specific date and time. And so servicers can earn float on that. And it might seem, you know, minuscule to, to earn extra float for, you know, maybe two weeks or so. But think about this when you have a large billion dollar portfolio, that float could be real money. And so, you know, having that ability to make a decision between, hey, is, you know, Fannie Cash pricing plus my actual, actual servicing valuation plus, a, you know, a Fannie MBS or a Freddie MBS with schedule, schedule or schedule actual you need to have that level of granularity, right? And then we're not even talking about excess or high and low coupons as well. So there's a, there's a lot of complexity there, but making sure you, your hedge model could just feed you the answers, right? And, and have that expertise behind it is super important. 
And then the last kind of, as we, after you sell a loan and you start servicing it, right? Over the last two years, we've seen such a huge growth in people servicing portfolios. You know, people who really never serviced before had to learn on the fly during the COVID crisis. You know, a lot of the aggregators and investors out there were rightfully afraid to, to take on a lot of servicing during that time, right? We weren't sure what to expect from advances and uh, what kind of forbearance plans are going to be out there. You know, luckily we had a lot of support from, you know, regulators and the, the GSDs to come in and kind of smooth that out. But, you know, ser- uh, aggregators during that time were, weren't even paying for servicing. They were basically giving you a zero bid or even a negative bid telling you to effectively keep your own servicing in-house. We'll pay you to keep it. And so a lot of people who were traditionally not servicers became servicers during that time. And at this point now, with the way that we've seen the valuations and the servicing asset increase, and then people getting their their sea legs beneath them too, right? People were forced to recover the service during this very strenuous time. And they learned on the fly and they became more comfortable with servicing an asset, especially if they didn't before. And so we've seen this really large increase in people serving, retaining loans and they're the sizes of folks servicing portfolios. And now we're seeing that it's becoming such a large piece of people's balance sheets. So if you think of folks that who were you know, maybe like a, you know, sole proprietors or partnerships that own mortgage companies, there's a really good chance that servicing portfolio is the largest asset that they have. And historically, this was something that folks got a snapshot or, or a view at once a month or maybe even once a quarter. But given how large these assets have swollen over the last two-ish years, people need to start thinking about this more like they think about their pipeline, right? We need to see that daily look. We need to see what our what our valuation change was day over day. You may, and depending on how large your asset is, you might want to think about hedging it, right? So the serving, servicing strip, you know, I think previously was something that was, you know, kind of just thought of as, hey, that's the quant, the quant's role in the firm to understand. But it, it's becoming so much more of our daily business here now, especially as you mentioned earlier, with the you know, lowering expectations of production, and you know, uh, having that natural hedge of that servicing portfolio. So setting aside the increasing value of the servicing asset as of late. Now that we're seeing volumes decrease and margins shrink, how can lenders actually sharpen their strategy and still build their business? Great question. And it's something I think that's top of mind for a lot of lenders today. Uh, first things first is, you know, I contend that the most singular important data piece that lenders have is that servicing portfolio. You get to see you know, payment history of your borrowers. You know what that loan uh, originated at. You know what that, lo- that original size was. You know if they've ever paid early or if they've paid late. And you're getting, you, have, you know exactly what they owe on the loan today. And I think being able to turn some analytics towards looking at what's going on in someone's servicing portfolio and to mine that for potential leads, right? So there's plenty of things that we could offer to borrowers today and kind of take that more of that advisor role as opposed to just saying, hey, rates are low, you should refi. There's things that we could look at in servicing portfolios, such as, hey, does it make sense to switch somebody from a, go- from a government to a conventional loan and save MIP? Does it make sense to look at refining from a 30 into a 20 or a 15? Like, could we do some term shortening exercises? Could we go from uh, a fixed rate to an arm now, right? And more importantly, more than anything else, with all the uh, all the news out there about just all-time highs for 
for home equity right now is that there's a ton, a ton of options that we could be looking at for for tapping that equity. It could be a cash out. It could be something as you know maybe you want to talk to one of your borrowers about looking at a, like a home style renovation product, right? Everyone's looking to kind of you know make some improvements on their homes. So there's there's things that borrower that lenders should be doing to kind of reach out to their borrowers, even and to facilitate new business, even with the rates kind of moving against us from a traditional refi perspective. And this all kind of goes back to pricing on the front end, though, as well, right? If you could pass forward that mo- the most accurate MSR valuation that you can on the front end, then you know. In some cases, that could, that could increase the price for loans that you want to retain, right? Maybe higher credit quality, maybe lower LTVs, whatever, whatever you're, you're in the market for as a, as, a, as a lender. And it could help you not service loans that you may not want to, right? Uh, maybe there are certain loans that you don't want, you don't want to have exposure to, or you, don't, you want to make sure that they're not your servicing portfolio. Well, you may want to actually lower your price with them and having a more accurate servicing valuation can help with that. What is the longer term effect of all these loans on books that are at such low interest rates? And I mean that in the sense of if uh, record low interest rates back in 2010 were you know, 3% for a 30-year fixed rate loan, and that was, uh, to make a very simplified example, selling at a four or five multiple. But now, now with this latest refi wave, we're seeing 30-year fixed rates down at two and a half percent and those are selling at four or five multiples what's the what's the longer term effect on servicing values or even primary mortgage rates great question so a, a lot of what we're seeing now for those interest rates is that you're we're seeing multiples now that are in the five and a half or maybe even six range for some of those for some of those servicing rights that were that were originated during the pandemic, uh, especially now, right? I think like the, the Fannie, like the average Fannie 30 note rate loan closing today is a touch under five, right? And you've got people who locked in two and three quarters and two and seven eighths uh, during the pandemic. You know, the chance that they're going to refi from from rate market movements very low. So you know we we have started to see some some uh, pricing come across our our desks for you know aggregators bidding on this stuff, but also just you know different broker valuations that we're seeing, and you know we're, you know we're certainly seeing things in the five and a half and the sixes. But as that as you start to see those values and you know if rates continue to go up, that two and seven eighths loan is probably going to be start to run into some type of cap at a certain point, right? Um, I love servicing more than the next guy, but you know, getting to a seven or an eight or a ten multiple on something, I just don't think the economics really makes sense when you get that high. So I think that you'll see a lot of you know MSR market modelers out there, whether that's people bidding on packages, whether it's the aggregators, whether it's uh, the marks that you're getting from you know third-party mark providers like Phoenix and Mountain View and Incenter. Well, you're probably going to see some of that lower note rate stuff start to cap out. Um, and I think you know people have tossed around numbers. This is all anecdotal, but in like the six range as like a as a cap on the servicing. So you may not see it. You know, you may not see a seven molt out there. I think a lot of people will just kind of it'll kind of reach some type of of uh, ceiling that uh, folks will want to you know kind of cap the value at. Thank you for that, Mark. Anything to add? No, I think that was a great uh, overview from Mike. I think, you know, maybe the, the MSR and servicing is a little bit of an underappreciated area and, and I really uh, think shedding some light on it and understanding it more deeply is is uh, very important. And uh, and if 
folks want to learn more or talk more about it, our, our team here is always open to those conversations. Yeah, and the one thing I would just like to add as a parting note, if you're somebody who's just getting started, like wanting to take a, a more of a look at servicing, uh, I, I may have mentioned this earlier, but the number one thing I can recommend is just trying to increase like the cadence of your review of it. So what do I mean by that? Maybe going from quarterly to monthly or from monthly to daily even, uh, just to start to get that muscle memory of like, hey, rates did this, what happened to my MSR portfolio? Oh, I had a payoff, what happened to my MSR portfolio? For the industry vets out there, that's going to be rudimentary, but for folks who are, hey, I, you know, I've always, always heard of MSRs, I'm interested in learning, I think one of the the best recommendations I can give you is to start to look at it daily and start to understand what happened the day before and what that did to your valuation. Well said. Mike, I want to thank you for making the time and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Love to come back. Appreciate it, Robbie. The release of the FOMC minutes for March were always going to be the highlight of the day yesterday and possibly the week. The minutes were hawkish-minded, but without big surprises that would dictate even sharper selling in the treasury market. The Fed signaled general agreement that it will reduce its massive bond holdings at a maximum pace of $95 billion a month, $60 billion for treasury securities, and about $35 billion for agency mortgage-backed securities, with the caps phased in relatively quickly over a three-month period, or slightly longer if needed. There was also some agreement that, after balance sheet runoff was well underway, it will be appropriate to consider sales of agency MBS to enable suitable progress toward a longer-run SOMA portfolio composed primarily of Treasury securities. The balance sheet reduction will further tighten credit across the economy as the central bank raises interest rates to cool inflation. The minutes also showed that many officials held the view that one or more 50 basis point rate hikes could be warranted. Money market traders are betting on a further 225 basis points of increases this year. With the Fed focused on tamping down inflation, likely inflicting more losses on stock and bond investors, treasuries continued their sell-off, and mortgage rates continued to rise. The MBS basis ended the day wider, with treasuries bare steepening amid fresh yield highs across the curve, with twos tens accounting for most of the curve steepening. Weekly jobless claims lead off today's calendar, before later today brings remarks from Fed speakers, Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey, and February consumer credit. The Treasury will announce the details of the mini refunding consisting of three years and reopen 10 years and 30 years for $46 billion, $34 billion, and $20 billion respectively to be auctioned this upcoming Monday through Wednesday. The desk will conduct just one purchase operation, which will target up to $1.5 billion of UMBS 33% through 4%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. From Michigan, Don C. writes about a recent text exchange with a buddy. He said, Joe, do you want to meet for two to three beers this afternoon? Joe replies, hell yeah, dude, but there's no hyphen in 23. That's in honor of National Beer Day today. Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor, Optimal Blue, a division of Black Knight. Optimal Blue delivers technology and analytics solutions that help mortgage lenders and investors more accurately price, lock, hedge, and trade loans to increase profitability, mitigate risk, and grow their business. 
If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.